Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Under the Macroscope, uh, a weekly look at uh, some of the macro factors affecting world economies with the chief strategist in the London office of Skybound Capital, Jabir Sardawala. Uh, the podcast available on Apple, Spotify, and the Google uh, podcast for Android platform. And thank you to all of those who have listened in and subscribed and uh, ensured that uh, this podcast is moving nicely and steadily uh, up the rankings chart. Uh, Jabir and I flippantly said to each other, we'd like to be number one by Christmas. So that's a goal for 2021. Uh, Jabir, a week dominated by uh, the inauguration of President Joe Biden in the US, uh, the Department the departure of Donald Trump from the White House. Uh, but from a macro perspective, uh, what does a Biden presidency mean for you, uh, not only for the US, but for the rest of the world? Right. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, I think, um, well, first of all, I'm delighted to see that uh, Biden got sworn in. You know, um, we, we weren't really sure how all this was going to play out, but it did play out. So congratulations to him. He's become the 46th president. Um, I, th I think it involves a lot of changes, and um, uh, one of the uh, one of the things that he doesn't get credit for is the fact that you know he really does have his own policies lined up, um, and a lot of people are suggesting that we're just going to go back to the old ways, uh, globalization, and so on. Um, I think the correct word is more uh, moderation. I think that's what we're going to see. You know, he's um, he's got a raft of executive orders that uh, he wants to get signed. He's already started on some of them. He's made it absolutely clear that he wants to get back into the Paris Accord. Um, he's bringing out a whole new set of regulations on immigration, which is critical, by the way, for the U.S. economy. Um, it it is the most flexible immigration um, uh, uh, economies in the world. Uh, and it attributes a lot of its greatness to that. And uh, middle America, mid-market America has been crying out for talent, uh, which has dried up quite a bit because of uh, Trump's former policies. Um, he's already uh, allocating 20 billion for the vaccine rollout. You know, the, the first hundred days seem to define a US presidency. You always hear that magic number. Um, and uh, right now, you know, the, uh, in America, they're vaccinating one million people per day, and he wants it to be a hundred million by the end of the, the hundred days, which is again a critical thing. Uh, some very interesting stats on vaccines that we can talk about later. Um, but the first crucial challenge he has is to try and get his very big stimulus uh, program through both houses. Um, 1.9 trillion is the figure that's being brandished. Um, and he won't get it all done for sure because he will, he will be up against Republicans who will oppose him on certain things. But uh, look, if he can do even half of that, then we're off to a good start, you know? And um, it's not a bad thing to keep these spending plans in, in some sort of check. So uh, that's, that's what we're looking at politically. Um, I'm surprised, for instance, at what certain regions and countries have done. So for instance, the EU, much to my surprise, uh, who no doubt is delighted to see the back of Trump, had a golden opportunity now to pander to Biden. And instead they've done a couple of things, which is quite bizarre. One was towards the end of last year where they entered into an investment deal with China. 
And China took that very seriously to the point that even their president got involved in that to expedite that deal. And it's been signed. Um, I would have thought that Europe could have held off a bit just out of respect for Biden. That would have been the right thing to do, I think. Um, the second thing very recently uh, is that um, some policy advisors in, uh, in, the, in, in Europe have sent a proposal to Brussels about how um, they need to move away from their reliance on the dollar and how they can actually beef up the euro. Um, again, not the right rhetoric to be doing that now when Biden has only just uh, entered the fray. You know, it's, it's, um, I don't think it sends out the right message. So um, th th those are things that we definitely need to look at. And then lastly, China also introduced some sanctions on US companies. Uh, they claim that it was a, a go at Mark, uh, Mike Pompeo, um, but actually just raises the, the hurdle for Biden yet again. You know, it's a, it's a debating ploy in my, in my opinion. Um, so Biden's got a lot of work to do. He's got in there by the skin of his teeth, but um, I think he's got a lot of good policies there. And uh, now he needs to be able to roll them out. Not surprisingly, as you pointed out, a vaccination rollout is, is a key part of uh, the first stage of his presidency. And also uh, across the globe, what updates can you give us on that front? Well, it's it's changing dramatically. I mean, you know, now I think we can use the word exponential quite comfortably. Um, in the last few days, we've seen the total number vaccinated just under 57 million, you know, and that's to largely to the 21st. So it's only uh, yesterday. Um, and when you when you look at the actual rate at which it's being rolled out, it's it's quite quite incredible. I mean, across U.S. states, for instance. Um, uh, roughly 5.6 people per hundred uh, have been vaccinated, um, but only half of total vaccines have actually still reached the states. So there's an awful lot more to do. That gives you an idea of the kind of infrastructure they still need to build. Um, but it, it, it does highlight how if the more infrastructure you get in place quickly, um, the quicker you can get people vaccinated. Um, the UK has made remarkable progress, you know, since we just uh, chatted last week. Um, they have now vaccinated well over four million uh, in the country. And um, on Tuesday alone, they had actually managed to vaccinate uh, in excess of 340,000 people in one day. So bearing in mind, the UK government had uh, targeted about 300,000 a day. Now, there will be days when you have your ups and your downs, but you know, they, they, they are clearly on track to do better than that, uh, to the point that they wanted all the over 50 year olds to be vaccinated by 9th of May. Well, now they brought that forward to the end of March. So there's certainly, you know, for once, um, uh, given the shambles of the government in dealing with this whole crisis, thankfully there seems to be a silver lining uh, in terms of the way they're rolling out the vaccination program. And you also see it across the globe as well. You know, others are continue to make uh, remarkable progress. Another topic for conversation, which bears continuing this week, is the aftermath of, of Brexit, the, the deadline, and uh, the consequence. And, and I, th I guess for a number of people, it's, it's been a bit of a wait and see approach. Let's see how things play out. Uh, for the South Africans uh, who are tuning into this podcast associated with Skybound Capital, uh, we need some good news, Jabir. Right. So 
I know you've got a view, it's a personal view, around the potential benefit for Commonwealth states as, as a consequence of Brexit going forward. Yeah, I, I, I do indeed. And uh, it is, as you said, it's a personal view. It um, hasn't, there's nothing that's been formally published. But uh, if you bring together a couple of things, then there is a picture it may not be necessarily the right picture, but you know, we since the start of this year, we've now started a new immigration approach. It's uh, very similar to the Australian style point system, um, and what it essentially means is, you know, people people will be able to come here based on their merits. Now, that spells to me skills, and uh, similar to the U.S., similar to many other countries, um, Middle England, Middle Corporate England is crying out for skilled labor, uh, engineers, scientists, doctors, etc. And um, with the best will in the world, we can't meet that demand internally. Um, add to that a second factor, which is that we are now free to go on a rampage and do our own trade deals. And one thing, one area, one zone that always, I think, got a bad deal was the Commonwealth. Uh, I do feel, and there are a lot of people who have actually said that, you know, uh, the UK has rather disregarded the Commonwealth, um, largely because of the EU, uh, you know, and the preference that, um, uh, the preferences all changed. Um, so within the Commonwealth, I mean, you're talking about a very big landmass. Um, if English, the ability to speak English is one of the key requirements. Well, um, that's pretty standard, you know, across the uh, Commonwealth. So for South Africans who already have a substantial diaspora over here and whose presence is really felt uh, across all walks of life, not just um, in the corporate world, but also in the sports world, uh, I think they're going to benefit hugely. Um, you know, and this is also true uh, for other Commonwealth countries as well, Canada. Australia, New Zealand, India. Um, we would love to do a, a trade deal with India. Um, you know, and this is true across all the other regions as well. So there is a big shift in, in, in emphasis. And um, my feeling is that South Africa will actually benefit out of this. Well, fabulous to end off with some good news for our South African subscribers and listeners uh, to the podcast. As always, great to, to get your views, Jabir. And uh, Jabir's more extended views are summarized in his Week in Review, which is available at www.skyboundcapital.com. You can also go to the website to uh, hear the podcasts, uh, the Under the Macroscope a podcast series and be able to subscribe so that you uh, receive it on a weekly basis. Until next time, thanks. And uh, we look forward to the next interaction with Jabir under the microscope.